Hello, everyone, and welcome to Flight Deck, an inside look at the New York Jets. I'm your host, Rich Slamini. I cover the Jets for ESPN. Thanks for joining, and if you haven't subscribed, please do. Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and you can find us on any of the ESPN platforms. Well, it's draft week, most exciting week of the year. This is what Jet fans live for. Are you pumped? This year, it's doubly exciting because we have a quarterback story. The Jets will draft a quarterback. That is not revelatory news. We've known that for some time. And, you know, it doesn't get better than this. And I have to admit, even after 32 years of covering this every year, kind of gets your juices flowing, knowing the draft is coming. And barring something unforeseen, you know, something crazy unforeseen, the Jets will pick Zach Wilson with the second pick, the quarterback out of BYU. They also have the 23rd and 34th picks, a total of five in the first three rounds and a total of 10 overall. So plenty of opportunities for the Jets to improve this roster. My take on Wilson, and I'm basing my opinions here on conversations with a half a dozen scouts, personnel people, and also talking to other talent evaluators, watching my own tape, just compiling as much information as I can get to formulate my own thoughts. And I think you guys know how I feel. I think the Jets made a mistake by trading Darnold, but that's gone. That's in the past, and we have to live in the present right now. While I don't think any quarterbacks other than Trevor Lawrence are worth the number two pick, I do think that Wilson is the best guy for the Jets. And I'll name a couple of reasons. I'd give him a slight edge over Justin Fields. And here's why. I think Wilson plays faster. I think he makes quicker reads. He has a quicker delivery. I've had people tell me that his hands are quick. They remind people of, uh, a use a baseball analogy, like a shortstop or second baseman turning the double play. Those kind of quick hands. So that impresses me. I think he's better under pressure than Justin Fields. Now, granted, Zach was not under a lot of pressure last year at BYU. They walked through a cupcake schedule. But when he was under pressure, he was good. His QBR was 46.9, and Justin Fields only 14.6 QBR. That is not good under pressure, and that concerns me. It really does. This is all based, of course, on our ESPN analytics. Uh, I think Fields holds the ball a little bit too long. Let me throw this out at you, a little bit of knowledge here. Under With 85 dropbacks under pressure last season at Ohio State, Justin Fields took 21 sacks. That's an inordinate number of sacks. Justin, uh, Zach Wilson, pretty much the same number of pressure. He had 83 dropbacks under pressure. He was only sacked 11 times, so half the amount. Now, people tell me that Ohio State's offense was different, longer developing routes, so he had to hold the ball. I don't know. I go by what I see, and I saw a quarterback who held the ball too long. Wilson gets it out quicker, and that is so important in the NFL. There's Mac Jones also. He doesn't wow me with any of his physical traits. Trey Lance, I think, has really good upside, but I, I see him as too much of a project. So I, I think Zach Wilson is the best for the Jets in the situation they're in. He's the, maybe the best thrower in the draft, the best pure thrower. He's got a loose motion. It's like a whip, a whip-like effect. The ball just comes out very quickly. People are at the pro day. were just really impressed by the velocity and the way he was able to 
get that ball out quickly. Some people even think he has a, he's a better thrower, a natural thrower than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think he'll fit the Jets' offense. You know, this scheme will get him into open places on boots and moving pockets, and that's where he'll, he'll be most comfortable. We didn't see him in a constricted pocket a lot at BYU, and so that's somewhat of a wild card. We don't know that uh, he'll have to face that situation in the NFL. There will be congestion. There will be bodies flying around his legs. How does he handle that? We don't know. Another thing that's a little bit of a concern is his durability, mostly stemming from his size. He's 6'2", 210. People tell me he really played around 200. He uh, bulked up for his pro day and got to about 2, I think, 13 or 14. Uh, but the thing that bothers people is that he's, he's got narrow shoulders. He doesn't have a big upper body. One scout told me that he goes, I don't think this guy's been in a weight room. He doesn't look like he's been in one. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit of concern because he's going to take a pounding in the NFL. As far as the height, I don't think that's a big deal. Uh, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield are actually shorter than than Zach Wilson. And Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson are the exact same size as Zach Wilson. I mean, I'm talking down to the half inch. So uh, I don't think the height is a deal. I think it's more of the body. In terms of intangibles, he's a hard worker. He's competitive. He's a little bit arrogant from what people tell me, but more of like a competitive arrogance. He does have ADHD. It runs in his family. He's taking medication for it. I think it affected him in school based on what he said in the past. Uh, but from what I understand, from what people tell me, it doesn't affect his ability to learn in the, in the football classroom. So it'll be interesting. He'll be the pick. I think he's got a chance to be good if the Jets are smart and surround him with good players. And that brings us into the next pick, the 23rd pick, which is really interesting. The Jets could go a bunch of different ways with this pick. I think the guy they'd like to have is Elijah Vera Tucker, the guard from USC. I do not think he will be available at 23, although I've been in a couple of mock drafts where he was. But I tend to doubt it. I think the players to watch there... I just have a funny feeling they end up going with an edge rusher. Robert Sala will go back to his roots and go D-line. Aziz Ajilari from Georgia is the guy to watch. We've done a lot of speculation on Greg Newsom, the corner from Northwestern. I think he'd be an okay pick in that area. Just got some, he's been injured a lot in his career, so that's a little bit of a concern. Uh, I would be really surprised if they took Miami edge rusher Jalen Phillips, he's got some medical questions, also some off-the-field character issues. And Caleb Farley, the corner from Virginia Tech, that too would surprise me. Uh, medical situation with his back. He's had that worked on twice. So I'd probably stay clear of him there. A little too much risk. The name that's been coming up, and, uh, you know, take it for what it's worth, maybe with a grain of salt at this part, Nigel Harris. Harris, the running back from Alabama, uh, he's probably going to go off the board right in that mid-20s area. Uh, it would surprise me if Joe Douglas goes a running back that high, but he's a name that's come up a little bit in some conversations I've had. So keep an eye on that. That would be a very interesting pick if the Jets go Najee Harris, who's a terrific running back. It just gets down to your core belief, your philosophy on whether you want to draft running backs that high. 
I, I think it's fine if you think the guy's that good. And we do know the Jets need a running back. They don't have a lead dog in that backfield, and they're going to have to draft one at one at some point. So, But my gut tells me probably edge rusher there, if not uh, probably corner. And then let's keep an eye out for Najee Harris. We'll be back for the second quarter right after this. <whistles> It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And now I'd like to welcome in our special guest, Pro Football Hall of Fame quarterback, and of course, a very, very famous BYU alum, which uh, goes right into what we're talking about today. I'd like to welcome in Steve Young. Steve, thank you so much for taking the time. Rich, no problem. Glad to be a part of what you're doing. You you cover the Jets like a blanket for for a long time, and I just appreciate your expertise and glad to be on with you. Well, thank you. That's kind of you say. It's been a long time on the Jets. Uh, I don't go quite as far back as Namath, but uh, it seems like sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it sometimes it seems like it. And uh, you know, it's very interesting now with the Jets. Obviously, there's a lot of quarterback chatter going on. We all think they're going to pick Zach Wilson with the second pick, and so the fans are really pumped up to start a new era. You obviously know Zach. You know, you're an alum from his school. I'm just curious, when was the first time you became aware of him, that he landed on your radar and you first got a chance to see him play? Uh, it's funny. It goes by my uh, freshman roommate at BYU, Jim Herman. Jim uh, uh, played briefly in the NFL. I think he played in Cincinnati and uh, in Dallas. I think he was drafted by the Cowboys. And uh, so he was coaching at Corner Canyon High School, defensive line. And he's one of my best friends in, in life. And he was telling me about Zach as a high school player uh, where he was coaching in South Salt Lake City. And uh, so it's like a, I, I logged it. And the one thing about uh, Jim as a defensive lineman, he has a knack. Most defensive linemen don't have a knack for understanding what quarterbacks are supposed to be doing and what it really takes. But he has a, a sense of it. So when he started at BYU, you, I, I really credit Jim with getting him recruited at BYU. And that's a long uh, story about how he got to BYU. Uh, not a straight line uh, by any sense of the imagination, which is not any, that's not Zach's fault. I think it's more kind of <laughs> just how BYU recruits. And so um, uh, it was really up to uh, to Jim to get him there. And, and that's how I got to know him as a college player. Because once he started to play at BYU, uh, Jim was the one that gave me all the insight into him as a kid in high school and his character and his work ethic and different things about him. He says, you're going to love him. You're going to love him. And so I suffered through a couple of years of an offense that really wasn't built for 2021 uh, in college or the pros. And it also wasn't built for, um, uh, for Zach. And so last year, uh, I think uh, Aaron Roderick took over and really made a huge difference. Yeah, he had he had almost a flawless year last year, you know, with 33 touchdowns, three interceptions. And one of those interceptions, I think, was on a Hail Mary, which shouldn't even count. But uh, I mean, the team was 11 and one. And just what was it about his game last year that it, it just seemed like everything came together for him last year? Um, 
I think for any, in many ways, Rich, it, it was a culmination of who he is as a player. And, and what you want to be in a situation, and anyone, high school, college, or pros, you want to be a place where you can, you can get the full measure of yourself. You know, it comes out. And that's about having the help you need. It's about the platform to do it and the offense and how they call play. It's everything. And so the reason why Zach had a meteoric rise is because it all came together. It's who he is. And he got a chance to show it. And, uh, and, that, and the more he showed it, the more the rest of us were like, holy crap. And he does things that you're not supposed to be able to do until you get in the NFL. You're not, you're not supposed, to be, supposed to be as settled and, and poor, you, know, you know, kind of at peace in the, in, the, in, the, in the pocket. You're not supposed to be able to throw the football, do some of the physical things that he was able to do. And so, you know, as he played more and it kind of exposed who he really was, th- then it becomes a question of can he replicate it? Like what we just saw, what he did, and that's where Joe Douglas has spent a significant amount of time just trying to figure out can he replicate this? Because if he can replicate what he did last year at BYU, we're going to be in great shape. And that was a challenge. That was a challenge that he had about making that tough decision. Uh, and that's what we saw all last year. That was what was amazing about what he put on tape. There was times when I watched him, like, is this kid for real? Can he really do these things? And you do it week after week. People talk about the arm talent and just the ability to throw at different angles on the move, off balance, if he has to. Uh, are those some of the th- these holy crap moments, as you called them? Is that what you're referring to? <laughs> just just these, yeah. these unique yeah. throwing ability? Well, that, there's, a, there's a physical part of it, Rich, which I think it, the way he throws is somewhat like Aaron Rodgers. You know how Aaron throws and his arm is kind of feels like it's disconnected or like mm. there's like a, a rotation part of his, like the strength he gets and the, and the, and the arm positions he gets himself in. You know, it's like it's unique. And that, it reminds me of that. And then it's off-platform stuff that we talk about a lot. It's really, in many ways, reminds me of Patrick Mahomes. Now, I don't say these names because I think he's going to – you still have to go do it. So, I'm like, don't, don't – but as far as what he's shown, those are the physical traits. And then also, I just say that the emotional traits, the traits of how you – when the game gets started and the bolts start to fly and the adrenaline gets high, the weather turns cold, uh, the teams get tough, I mean – it's like all these things that you watch as a as I watch other quarterbacks, you see them exposed in a negative way. Like, well, there's that ceiling. There's that. Well, that's where he can't do it. And so I I do that naturally. That's just how I watch football. And uh, and so you watch Zach, and I'm like, where's where's the ceiling on what his capacity is as from an EQ, right? From his processing, from the way he kind of takes in. Uh, you know, the adrenaline and the, and the moment and how he, how he moves. Does he look, does he show a little panic? Does he show, and it's like, you kept saying, like, where is this kid? What? And I said, the holy crap is like, and I talked to scouts, I talked to, to, to coaches that, that broke them down and, and they had the same kind of commentary. He's like, what the, this is, he does stuff that you're not supposed to be able to do so quickly. So again, we go back to the same thing. Does he, can he replicate what he showed last year in on the on NFL stage. And that's the bet. Cause if he can, if he can do the things that he did on, on tape last year, that's a rare, that's a rare quality. It's an you know, Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Patrick Mahomes. It's like that kind of stuff that you don't see very often. One question I have to bring up and others have, and I, and I certainly have brought it up too, is just the, the schedule they played last year. 
was not the hardest schedule. They obviously had to adjust through the pandemic and it was kind of on the fly at times. So that's not Zach's fault, but you know, it ended up being not a great, they didn't play any power five teams. Uh, how do you think uh, that affects the evaluation in terms of, you know, this makes it hard. Yeah. Rich is the greatest challenge Joe Douglas had in trying to figure this out uh-huh. because you want to see him play, uh, you know, uh, it, Texas or, you know, Alabama or, you know, any of the Ohio state, you want to see him, uh, in a big stage, uh, and you have to, you have to interpolate it. And that's the challenge of scouts and, and coaches who, who put things on tape. It's like, there's, there's a two dimensional part of it and there's a three dimensional. Can he really do it? And, um, and that's, I mean, you've watched the, the bodies thrown against the rocks through the years of people who thought they could and, and can't. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And that's the greatest challenge about what they're, what they're in. And that's why it's, you know, I think that's why you get to spend a couple of months they've had to really put him under the gun, uh, from, a you know, kind of personally and, and interviews and, and challenging kind of emotionally, right. You know, on the spot, you know, to try to see if you can replicate, you know, uh, through zoom, some of the things that you're trying to do on the field. And I think that you don't laugh at that. You can put a kid in a, in a real pressure situation with, you know, ask him point blank, ask him to take in the information, give him a little time to, to take it in and then spit it back out. And you can just start to you can start to get a sense of the capacity of somebody. So that's the biggest challenge they have. Now there wasn't, I mean, look, playing Boise state, playing San Diego state, playing Houston, you know, these guys, it's not no one. So that's why I think you can try to interpolate through it. But uh, certainly it's a tough call for Zach because of just who he played. I'm wondering, Steve, with your ties to BYU and obviously you've known Zach for a while, have you been kind of an advisor to him through the process? And also, you know, have the Jets, even Joe Douglas reached out to you to try to get some intel on Zach? No, uh, no, the Jets haven't. Uh, I will say that Greg Knapp, the quarterback coach, is you know he coached me in San Francisco, mm-hmm. and so I think I think he's just a you know he's a great guy. And I I told I told his dad Mike Wilson I said, you know if I had a son, and I need him to be coached and I make sure that he's taken care of in a in a in a way that helps him play better football, yeah, I'd want Greg to be a part of it. So you know that's a that's a huge plus. Um, but no. The Jets haven't made a and, and no look, I even for the for the Wilson family, I've been texting back and forth with Zach for quite a while, just giving him, you know, thumbs up, way to go, you know, coming from an alumni perspective. And then his dad and I have had a couple conversations about um just agents and rigor of going to the pros and NFL and what to watch out for. And I really appreciate them thoughtful way that they've done that. And uh and uh, I, I like to pay it forward wherever I can, Rich. I'd do that with anybody, to be honest with you. Um, and then met Zach for the first time last week <laughs> after talking to him for a few years. Uh, I had my charity go- golf tournament for every young tournament down in um, fundraiser down in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. And, and he came down. We had a great picture with him. She probably saw it on. He posted it was a rich, uh, it was a Jim McMahon, Ty Detmer, myself and, and Zach. So it was a, it was a cool thing. Wow, different generations of BYU quarterbacks. That's a great photo. Uh, is uh, so that was the first time you met him? Physically, personally, yes. I yeah. have not been. I mean, I just through COVID. That was you know, I just haven't. It's crazy. Mm, I thought I'd met him actually. When I talked to Jim, my buddy Jim Herman. I said, "Did we meet?" Because I spoke at Corner Canyon one year, a few years ago. 
And Zach said that he was in eighth grade when I had spoken to the team. So he wasn't that part of the team at that point. That's funny. Now, uh, I'm wondering, I, I, we were speaking to Joe Douglas about three weeks ago. It was the day after they traded Darnold. And I asked Joe Douglas, I said, you know, Steve Young is out on record now. Joe is saying that the Jets are committed to picking Zach. What's your comment? And he kind of laughed and he goes, uh, well, Steve is pretty plugged in. <laughs> so how, how shocked would you be if the Jets don't pick Zach? Uh, you know, in, in the NFL draft, nothing's nothing's truly said until you put the name in. Uh, but short of something, you know, some terrible review or something that Zach uh, did, per, like something that comes out that you know, changes the nature of what they've underwritten uh, as a uh, for Zach. I guess it feels like there's no question that uh, he's their guy and. They've had him locked in for quite a while, and, and and that's through a lot of rigor. I mean, again, Joe Douglas is not a – he doesn't play the fool. I mean, the man is very intent. He's got rings on his finger. He knows what he's looking for. Um, he knows this is the you know, kind of a defining moment for him. And, um, you know, I think he's done whatever he possibly can to, to try to vet this situation. And, I, you know, it became pretty obvious to me that they'd locked in on him. Now, Steve, you're obviously well versed in the history of of Jet quarterbacking. They've, you know, it hasn't worked out for a lot of guys. I thought Sam Darnold was going to be great three years ago, and and it didn't work out for various reasons. Uh, are you? Is there any concern at all about Zach? You know, going into an environment which, quite frankly, has not produced a a, a great quarterback in a long time. Uh, yeah. Look, I mean, you know, if you asked me a year ago, Rich, the bottom five places for a quarterback in the NFL, I would have picked the Jets as one of them. Um, and I think that there's been some significant changes uh, that I, for me, now look, I, I have a, you know, this East Coast, West Coast thing, I, I think there's something to talk about. It's not a, it's not a heavy thing, but there's, there's some, there's a mentality around how the 49ers system plays, how they how they create a space for the quarterback to really thrive. It's a mentality. It starts with the head coach, uh, really starts with the general manager and goes to the head coach. And then are we going to make a space for the quarterback to thrive here? And the places that do that, I think thrive in the NFL by generally why it's not, you know, league wide as a commodity. I, I'll never understand, but clearly in 2021, the league is more quarterback centric than it's ever been. And the teams that aren't creating a space, for a quarterback to thrive are doing such a disservice to the organization and to their success. The jets, I think have made changes to do just that. And I'll call it the 49er way, just cause that's how I learned it. I'm sure there's other, you know, other ways to look at the same thing and call it something different, but it really comes to a partnership between management coaches and the, and the players, especially, but specifically the quarterback and coach Salah has now been in that system. He knows the 40, like what Kyle's been doing, uh, Kyle Shanahan, what John Lynch, these are all guys that have close ties to those original thoughts around partnership. And I think that they're bringing LaFleur, Coach LaFleur, and they're going to have a system that is familiar with what Kyle's done in the past, which we know is a cut above in what happens in the offense in the NFL. And I think that Zach's built for that. So there's a lot of reasons why the things are in place to go to do it differently, to be different. And in 2021 to embrace, you know, and, you know, uh, make the jets a place where a quarterback wants to be. 
a place where the quarterback is chance to thrive. And that's not because it, quarterbacks don't need to be coddled. This is not about being, you know, uh, making them feel, sp- no, this is about creating a space so they can thrive and be and play great football. And if a quarterback plays great football, wherever it is, but especially in NFL 2021, now you have a chance. And so to me, the Jets have made the changes to make that sp- that place great for quarterbacks. And I said that to Zach and to Mike as well, dad, you know, all the things that you can ask for to happen over the last five, four or five months, every move seems to be a real positive one to make that place a great one for a quarterback. Mm-hmm. And he seems like a perfect fit for this type of system that they're going to put in just because his ability to throw on the run, you know, the bootlegs, you know, play action. He yep. those seem to be in his wheelhouse. Yeah, but don't try to, this is not a kid based on what we've seen on tape and what I've seen live is not somebody you want to put in a box. That's I think why, why he's the number two pick for the jets right now when there's more experienced guys at Ohio state, more experienced guys at Alabama, it's because of what he, what he put down on tape is, is special. And, 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 and it really isn't limited. His processing power in the pocket to find the guy, to change his arm angle, to be, to have the guile, the street smarts to find the person that's open. And then, you know, I think that's the idea is that he can be a great processor, great pocket player a great pocket player and then has this ability that, you know, second to a few other than a few ability to get out and, and throw the football off platform and then actually go get the first downs, go get the touchdowns that are out there for quarterbacks and more than ever. And to me, if you don't have a quarterback and go get those first downs and touchdowns with their legs, you're missing easy yards and, and, and points that are, they're just there for the taking for the first time in the NFL. You have to have a quarterback and go do that. So the idea of, you know, off platform, platform, and, and, and using your legs, that, that you can't put them in a box because you're going to limit, you're going to limit yourself and what he, what he really can do. And so again, can he do it in the pros? That's the question. But as far as what we've seen, he can do all three. Yeah. Well, that was going to lead into my last question. I was just, I know it's a tough spot, but, but if he's, if he's put in a stable environment and it looks like the jets are finally going to have that. And you know, if they put some players around him, you know, they brought in Corey Davis, uh, probably still, probably still need a running back, maybe a couple of linemen, but if they put the right players around him with the right coaching and he stays healthy, what kind of career do you think he can have? I mean, uh, you know, guys that are, you know, every, every generation has a handful of guys that define the, the position. And, you know, he's set up to be one of those guys. Now, can you go get it? Can you go do it? And there's a lot of filters and a lot of hurdles and a lot of things to go through to get there. Um, But I think he's the number two pick for the Jets because of what that looks like, what that potential is. And the other thing that you got to remember, Rich, is they have put him under the gun in person and and watched him and and the rigor he puts to the game. I mean, he loves the data. There are not a lot of quarterbacks that love the data. They don't love the classroom. They don't love blitz pickups and, and protections and, and what, you know, what the nuances are. And, you know, and that's why I think that's to me, that's what my, my sense is that's where he really sold Joe Douglas was, was in the, those, those sessions where they could put him under the gun and they could see his love and passion for the, for the, for all the aspects of the game, 
there's a lot of great players and, and, and great quarterbacks that just, they don't have that passion. They don't, they can get away with it. They don't, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah, I, I get to be on the test. I'm fine. It's fine. Let's go play some ball. And so I think that's the other part of it that, that hasn't get, gotten talked about much is he's kind of, you know, he's a baby face kind of kid, 21 year old, but he has, I mean, he has some, a real grit and toughness to him. Um, and especially mentally. So I think he's an, he's the no, he's the number two pick for the jets under an incredible amount of, of diligence and putting him under uh, as much pressure as they possibly could kind of in person. And so that's the thing I don't want people to don't just focus on the arm and the off, off platform throws. And like, there is, there is some real fundamental grit, uh, to Zach. And I think you got to take, you know, got to appreciate that as well as a part of this hopeful solution. As you talk about a long-term player, someone who can, you know, stand the test of time and stay injury free and, you know, all those things, there's a myriad of things that derail NFL careers, rich, as you know, but he's set up to do it. And I mean, that's why, why is Joe making this pick? It's got, you know, in many ways has some risk to it. It's because he's shown all these aspects that, uh, that, are, that tell you that he's going to be a pretty good player. And you know from being part of the media that, you know, New York is, can be a tough place to play quarterback. I mean, Eli Manning, <laughs> did it, Eli Manning did it so well, you know, and he kind of blocked everything out. But it, it can be a really tough place if, if someone struggles. I mean, there's, how do you predict on how a, a 21-year-old? You can't. Yeah, you can't. I mean, you, you have to predict. You can predict it, but you can't know it. And I would say this to, I would, uh, there's a few guys that have come out of college. Andrew Luck's one that comes to mind in the last 10 years. They come out and you just, I just knew it. I knew that Andrew Luck would thrive. The problem with most of these situations is even the player themselves don't know it. You know what I mean? Like nobody knows it until they, like they're there and uh, you get the early returns. But I will tell you that the league today is built and it's more college-like than it's ever been. The college and pro games are overlapping in ways I never thought were possible. And so you, the, the predictive uh, nature of uh, what you can do with a, uh, with a quarterback coming from college is a lot. The, the, the level of prediction uh, accuracy, I'll call it, is much higher than it's ever been. And so I think that people can have a sense that the, the, the failures of quarterbacks coming out of college today, you know, if, if general managers fail at it like they have in the past, and that's really about them because I think the game has changed so much like colleges, the predictor, predictability is it's much higher. Absolutely. And uh, Steve, I, I really, really appreciate your time. I'm glad we finally caught up. I know jet fans are going to love this because you have so much inti- insight into Zach. And uh, I know they're excited on Thursday night to, to welcome him to the team. And so thanks so much for your yeah. time, Steve. Well, and, uh, Rich, I got to tell you, I grew up in Greenwich. I, I used to, uh, uh, go to jet games. My, my, my brother, Jim was actually a jet man for a few games back in the, you know, uh, before he went to college. And, uh, uh, so, you know, we, we, uh, I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I, how do I feel about the jets? I'm critical as a, as I would to my brother, like I'm critical because they, the, the mistakes they make are maddening, but, uh, my heart is with them always. And I hope that this is a, piece of the puzzle of getting them to a place that they haven't been for a long time. I'm, I'm super excited about it. Well, thanks so much, Steve. This was great. Appreciate it. Okay. You bet, Rich. See you, buddy. 
And welcome to the third quarter. It's our Twitter Q&A draft, baby. Let's get right into it. At Prime Numbers 8 asks, what's the likelihood the Jets move up from 23? They have a lot of draft capital, and the board might not shake out favorably. Yeah, I do think uh, it, that's a valid point, and I do think there is a chance they could move up. Also, think, think there's a really good chance they could move down. So let's play a little conjecture here. If they, let's say they have two number twos next year, if they offer one of those number twos, I think they could get as high as 12, maybe 13. I think they'd do that if, say, Jalen Waddell or Devontae Smith somehow slipped to that spot. Um, I think more likely if a player gets close to them, they could use a third-round pick this year to move up. The higher of their threes this year could get them to about 16. A player they like is the guard from USC, Elijah Vera Tucker. I could see him, you know, maybe they move up a little bit to get him, uh, but more likely stay put or go down, I think. But you're right. The board may not shake out favorably, and all of a sudden they're, they could be sitting there at 23 and, you know, absolutely don't love one of those guys, and you could see a trade-down scenario also. At Steve underscore Weitzman, if uh, one of the second-tier wide receivers is available at 23, do the Jets take a wide receiver over an offensive lineman or a cornerback? Interesting question, Steve. I think by the second-tier receivers, you're probably referring to Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, or Kadarius Toney. The, I, would, I would look for Elijah Moore. If we're calling long shots in that spot, I mean, I would be surprised if they took a wide receiver, but Elijah Moore from Ole Miss is intriguing because he's a slot receiver. Uh, they have Crowder, but he's on the last year of his contract. If you draft uh, Moore, then you move out Crowder. And you probably save yourself about $10 million on the cap. So I would be a little surprised, but I wouldn't rule that out. At Sports Narrative, how big a need do you see a cover linebacker? Blake Cashman is great, but he can't stay healthy. I wouldn't say great, uh, but I would agree with the part about not staying healthy. Basically, the Jets have only two reliable experienced linebackers right now, C.J. Mosley and Jared Davis, who they got from the Lions, who frankly is coming off a bad year. Uh, I could see them lining up Mosley in the middle and Davis on the strong side. They do not have a starting weak side linebacker right now. So yes, that is a need. At Florida Rep NY, what's the love fest with Zach Wilson? I don't get it. If Zach Wilson is this good, why isn't Jacksonville drafting him? Well, Florida, there's a guy by the name of Trevor Lawrence who is a prospect that comes along about once every 10 years. That's the reason why Jacksonville is not drafting Zach Wilson. Trevor Lawrence is that good, and he is head and shoulders above the rest of these quarterbacks. However, you know, I think, as I said in the opening, I, I think Wilson's probably the best fit for the Jets. And you can bet, if the 49ers had the second pick instead of the third, they'd be taking Zach Wilson. And I think we all agree Kyle Shanahan knows his quarterbacks, uh, and he would take Wilson at two. You could write that down. Uh, Bob McGinn, a football writer from The Athletic, a friend of mine and a just an esteemed football journalist, does a poll every year. He polls personnel people to get their take on the pl pl prospects. He polled 18 personnel evaluators, 14 
said Trevor Lawrence was the best quarterback in the draft. Three said Zach Wilson, and one said Justin Fields. And that ratio pretty much syncs up with what I've been getting from the people I've talked to. So Trevor is one. I think there's a gap to two. And I think most people in the NFL would say Zach Wilson is the second best quarterback, uh, slightly ahead of Justin Fields. But hey, look, I'm not 100% sold on the guy either, Florida, but uh, he's going to be the pick, and I think it's probably the best pick considering the position they're in. At Jordan Gould 247, are the Jets pursuing Julio Jones? Uh, no, I don't see that happening. Uh, Julio, uh, first of all, is 32 years old. He's due to make $15.3 million this year. Only $2 million of that is guaranteed. Actually, the Jets are one of the few teams in the league that could withstand that from a cap standpoint. But like I said, he's 32. His timeline is not in sync with the Jets' timeline. They're starting over, and uh, I think he'll probably, if he's traded, he'll end up with a, uh, a contending-type team. The Jets signed Corey Davis, uh, a big receiver. They have Denzel Mims, a big receiver. So Julio, uh, Julio is great. I mean, he's going to the Hall of Fame and he'd be fantastic for a young quarterback like Zach Wilson. But I just don't think the timing is right for either party. So that's why I don't think they'll be in on Julio Jones. Back in a second. I'd like to wrap up this week's episode with a little story from the Jets draft past. I want to go back 50 years ago when the Jets made a great draft pick. They chose running back John Riggins in the 71 draft out of Kansas in the first round. And unfortunately, he doesn't get talked about in Jets history because he only lasted five years with the Jets. But he was a fantastic player. Of course, he ends up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, mostly for what he did with the Washington football team known as the Redskins at the time. But, man, Riggins was awesome. This was before my time. I'm not that old, but I've heard the stories. I've read the stories. But, unfortunately, the Jets pissed him off with the uh, contract disputes they had with him. Get this. In his second year, he rushed for 944 yards. At the end of the year, he got a $1,500 bonus check from Weeb Eubank, who was the coach and the GM. And G uh, Weeb left a note on the on the check that said it would have been more if you had 1,000 yards. So that really angered Riggins, and who was a different kind of guy anyway, an enigmatic personality for sure. And he was always embittered by his contract situation. In 1975, he did rush for 1,000 yards, made it to 1,005 which was a big deal in those days. And there was a labor dispute between management and labor in the NFL, and there was a loophole in the contract that allowed certain players to become a free agent. He became a free agent. He left. He signed with Washington and went on to a legendary career. So, you know, you look at the Jets' recent number one picks, like Jamal Adams and Leonard Williams, guys who have moved on, Sam Darnold, you know, with Adams, much like the Riggins situation, Two sides, a lot of acrimony over money and contracts. So the Jets have been doing this and losing good players for a long, long time. And, you know, they look, they go into this draft with two number ones. Next year, they have two number ones for their sake. And I hope they get it right. Hopefully, they'll crush these two drafts, get this thing turned around, 
And, you know, it could shut up guys like me, critics who criticize their draft history, which is perfectly valid, by the way, because it's not a very good draft history. But this is an opportunity to flip the script for Joe Dirk Douglas to create his own legacy as a GM. He's got a new coach. He'll have a new quarterback on Thursday night. And that's a fresh start. And you hope for the Jets' sake and for their fans. I know you guys have been so frustrated for so long. This is what you've been looking for. It's a fresh start. We'll see where it goes from here. Maybe this time it's different. I'd like to thank Steve Young for joining us this week. That was super nice of him to uh, take a moment out of his schedule to join us and talk about Zach Wilson. I'd like to thank my producer, Jeff Scopin. We'll be back next week to wrap it all up and talk about the Jets next week on Flight Deck. <laughs> 